This is Jerry from Anxious Minds Radio, and today I'm speaking to John, who runs a fire walking business, Logie Fire Walking. Hi, John. Hi. Hey. So it's nice to meet you, and just wanted to, to have you in for a chat, just so you can tell us a bit more about, about yourself, your, your journey with mental health. So I think I'll just let you start off with that, and we'll take it from there. So where, where would you like me to start, then, basically? Where you think it's most relevant, really? Um, back in 2015, uh, I, um, I was working for a company. Um, I um, started to feel the pressures of my work. Mm. Didn't realise how much it was affecting me mentally until... I basically um, got to the point where I didn't think there was any reason for me to be here and I um, got so low that I contemplated um, ending my life. Mm. Um, I live alone, I have a girlfriend, uh, I have have a, a son but most of the time I was at home by myself and when I used to go home from work every night, I used to stand behind the door for anything from 10 minutes to 45, an hour, just to close the door to shut out the outside world, to mm. turn my back on what was really hurting me. And at the end of October 2015, I'd planned what I was going to do, planned to hang myself. Um, my girlfriend and a close friend realised there was something dramatically wrong with me. I wasn't right mm. and this started me. Uh, they got me to talk, they got me to speak, they got me to ask me what was wrong and I basically broke down. I broke down and I told them everything and from that moment on, from being a man who felt there was no future, felt there was nobody I could turn to, felt there was nobody I could talk to about my problem, I realised that, you know, there was help out there and I realised that, that life was worth living and life was worth living for lots of things, my, 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 my family, my girlfriend, my son, and that I would have caused more heartache and more stress and anxiety for other people if I had, if I'd basically done what I was planning mm. to do. Mm. Um, and you'd, you'd mentioned earlier, get in the end, getting the support from your, from your partner and from a close friend. Did you feel like you got any support at all from your workplace when you were going through this? At the time uh, of the of the problem and after my 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 breakdown, um, it, it was very understandable that the, that the field that I worked in was very male orientated, and it was basically, you know, come on, pull your trousers or pull your socks up. You're a man, you know. Uh, man up to this um, you know we can talk this through we can solve the problem over a cup of coffee and the help 
you know, I didn't. I, I, they they questioned me afterwards. Why didn't I say anything to them? I had a, a lot of problems at my work. I felt insecure at my work. I felt that there was nobody there that I could talk to, mm-hmm. that I could that I could confide in and tell them the position because I felt that I was failing as a man, mm-hmm. failing in the industry I was working in. And that there was no point because there was no support there. There was no point in asking them for help. And when I when I rang them up and said that I had a problem, they basically said, you know, get yourself a bath, you know, get yourself tidied up. I was very emotional on the phone talking to them, uh, admitting that I had a problem admitting that I felt as if I had failed and that um, they said, you know, give yourself a wash and, and you know, take your time and come down, we'll have a cup of coffee and we'll sort it out. And I had a massive problem at work that I needed to sort out the week before and I had rung my direct line manager on the Friday to talk about the problem and I was basically told to sort it out myself. And then on the Monday, after I'd rung him and told him that I'd contemplated committing suicide and that I was gonna commit suicide at work, within an hour of that phone call, he rang me back. The problem that I had the week before had miraculously been solved, but he wouldn't give me the help on the Friday when I rang him to solve the problem. So moving away from that, from there, going forward, um, it was it was very hard because um, I felt the lowest I've ever felt. I knew I had the help and support of my family. There were a lot of people um, that sort of um, said to me, "There's nothing wrong with you. You should be at work. Why aren't you back at work?" You know, there's nothing wrong with you. I haven't got a broken leg or anything. No, I haven't. I've got a broken head. And people can't say that. And it really, really annoys me to think that people judge you. People mm. make that comment, there's nothing wrong with you. People don't understand what it's like to stand behind a door, mm. to lock the door, to feel secure, to, you know, to contemplate the fact that you're going to end your life, leave a son of 12-year-old behind who I love dearly and love spending time with him. And um, it was just really, really hard. And then I started getting, you know, help after that, talking to people, talking to different people, people that I didn't didn't expect to put out... um, put out a, 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 an arm and give me a hug, put out their arms to give me a hug and say, here, if you ever get that low, if you ever feel like that again, my phone is on 24 hours a day. And when people were telling me that, I was getting really, really, you know, like, I just felt that there were people that I would have hurt if I'd left mm. because those people were there and wanted to help. But the problem is you don't realise that they're there. And unless you talk to people, and say how you feel and tell them how low you are. People don't understand. And there are some people out there that are in your network of friends that will 
bend over backwards to help you get better. They will give you help. They'll give you a hug when you want a hug. You know, I spent 10 years in my professional career being taught to shake people by the hand and look them in the eye. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd rather give somebody a hug and I'm not bothered whether it's a man, a woman, I'll give them a hug because it's not about a business deal now, it's about feeling compassion. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, making other people feel compassion and making other people understand that there is help out there. There are people, mm-hmm. organisations, send an email if you can't pick up the phone, but talk to somebody and that will help you get away from the dark space that you're in now. And and that, that's what helped me when I spoke to my girlfriend and I spoke to her friend, our friend, who'd had a situation in her life that I hadn't known about where they had lost a family member and she t- started to tell me the story of what it was like for her family when somebody had checked out before they should have done, when someone had committed suicide. And then as I started to, to move on from that initial situation of having to tell my work and went off on the sick and I realised that it was going to be a long process to get myself mentally fit and to learn to live with with the problem because I don't think I don't think when you've had stress and anxiety I don't think it'll ever be a way you'll always live with it but you learn to live with it and learn how to control it and learn when you need to sit down and have quiet time and be aware or sit down and think about something or talk to somebody and get share your problem and get their perspective of what the problem is um, and and the, the, you know get the help and I, and I do that now I talk to people like that you know mm. with my business that I'm doing now I do a lot of networking and it's surprising how many people want to hear how I went from working in the construction industry to being a fire walker, to being a fire walking instructor. Big change. It's a huge change. And all the time I was on the road to recovery, I really thought, you know, when I start my next move in my career, I wanted to do something to help people. I wanted to do something to, to help people that have had problems. It doesn't matter who they are, whether they're, you know, children, uh, um, you know, young adults, adults, men, women, you know, I I wanted to do something to help. And I thought about becoming a counsellor and I thought, you know, that's going to be such a long time of retraining Mm -hmm. and process, whatever. And um, and through the period of my um, counselling and the medication I was on from the National Health and that, I felt there was a period of time where I just felt I wasn't going forwards, I wasn't going backwards, I was just on pause, my life was on hold. And my girlfriend started to take me to some holistic therapies and one thing led to another and we ended up on uh, a festival in the Czech Republic that, mm. that was built around meditation, yoga, massage, connecting with other people and connecting with yourself and there, there was a bit of spirituality involved in it as well and um, 
we, in the process of that um, festival, there was what they call trance dance. Trance dance is where you dance to music for a period of time and you're blindfolded. And there was 200 people on this dance floor. We were all wearing blindfolds and there was this amazing um, band that played music and the music took you on a journey and it was just up and down and we used this breathing exercise to start off with to get mm -hmm. your body into um, the state you needed to be in to do this trance dance and then we started dancing and after we did that dance and we'd been grounded and you know that the guy was playing this aboriginal instrument above our heads and we were lying on the floor face down and this guy walked through the, the, the dance floor playing this music um, I just felt as if there was this buzz inside me that I had never felt before. And we went from that exercise and did a fire walk. And there were a hundred people doing the fire walk. And when I did the fire walk, I walked across the coals. And it, when I was walking across the coals, it was almost like somebody switched a light on. And I don't know what it was, but there was a message um, sent to me that that was my path. And I walked the fire about four or five times that night. And when we went back to the hotel, I was on the phone, on the internet, looking for how I can become a firewalker because I wanted, mm. that was my, where I felt my journey was and I felt that I could help and support people with firewalking. And I, um, I didn't find the course that I did directly myself my partner spoke to somebody that she knew that had, had done firewalking, uh, had been instructed to, to become a firewalker. And there was somebody else that was on the festival with us, a friend from Scotland, who pointed us um, to, this, um, to this venue in Scotland that teaches firewalking. So the two people who, who were advising me where I should go, when I looked into both of them, they basically pointed to both, say, both the same way. One was directing me to a lady called Peggy Dillon, who is an American lady who runs this um, firewalking course in mm. Scotland, and the other one was pointing me to Lendrick Lodge, which is the venue mm. where Peggy Dillon runs, runs the course. So it was 14 months after I'd walked the fire that I eventually became a fire walking instructor and in the process I've since becoming a fire walking instructor I've I've done a, um, some very small fire walks and I've done some very big fire walks I've done some small workshop fire walks where we have actually specifically helped people uh, who have had different um stresses and traumas in their life in their life i helped a group of of women who had all had uh, problems different stress anxiety mm -hmm. and they did the fire walk and they were blown away by how it affected them when you stand at the front of a fire there's only one person that can stop you from walking that fire and that's yourself yeah, yeah. and Every time somebody walks one of my fires now, someone who's had disbelief, someone who's had, you know, stress, anxiety, judge themselves, put themselves down, and you see someone walk that fire and actually believe, and you see that smile come on their face, and you realise that you've helped someone in a very small way, 
but you've helped somebody with with a part of their life over overcoming a fear. It's well, I've actually done um, two fire walks, and I did find them completely life changing because it's like you say, it just gives you that belief in yourself. And whenever I sort of came across different challenges in my life, I would sort of think back to that and think, well. I can walk on fire I can do anything so it's that sort of it does really help strengthen your confidence and inner belief yeah I, I, it, it does it is it, it's a crazy thing a lot of people say to me why my answer to that is why not why not if it helps why not you know fire walking has been used for lots of different processes for thousands of years on every different continent in the world. It's been used as a rite of passage, celebration, a holistic healing process. Um, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing and it, and it does give you belief in yourself. It raises your energy inside, it makes you believe in yourself and believe you're gonna achieve um, greater things and that's that's why I'm here today because I want people to understand no matter how low you feel you are now if you speak to someone and get some help and realise that you can um, recover that you can get help that there are people there that will talk there are people there that will listen the majority of the help that I got was people listening mm. to me and I realised that I needed to believe in myself going forward and to help myself going forward and and there's people out there that will help everybody in their, in your circumstance no matter how low you feel no matter how stressed you feel about where you are whether you're a man, a woman, a young adult you know, a child if you're stressed and you're listening to this program and you you just pick the phone up ring, ring somebody you know or, or contact somebody speak to a friend speak to a family member and tell them what your problem is and there's no problem that can't be solved no problem that can't be solved yeah and I wanted to touch on what you were saying earlier about the sort of the culture that we're in when it comes to toxic masculinity and men not being allowed to show emotion or not being taken seriously or dismissed and it seems like it's a really common theme and we even bring up our children when you see young boys being chastised for crying or for showing their emotions or whatever it may be and that must be a really challenging situation to to deal with as well that additional pressure that comes with that it's really hard you know it's really hard being out there in in a world where you know where I was where if I went to work with a pink shirt on I got questioned about my sexuality mm. when I got emotional I got questioned about my masculinity you know people should be allowed to feel and be who they are express who they are in the way that they want to do it you know, bullying, being told what, what you must do or what, how people perceive you 
that you shouldn't cry as a guy. Who says you shouldn't cry as a guy? Yeah. Who says you shouldn't cry as a guy? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it is it is from from my point of view as a as a woman with my male friends or with my partner when they express their emotions to me, uh, I actually find it quite admirable and I really respect them showing their vulnerability. So I've never thought any less of my male friends and my partner for showing that, but it is that the culture that holds people back from doing it. I think from my experiences in in the the network of friends that I have now um, and the different events and workshops and, and things that I've been to, I've met some amazing uh, ladies, women from around the world, from around the country. And you know what? None of them have, have, have showed anything but, you know, love and, you know, the, mm. um, when you show your emotions and uh, uh, women respect people, mm. respect men for showing, yeah. respect people for showing their emotion. In, in, the, in the area, in the, in, the, in the profession I was in, it, it just wasn't seen or heard of. You know, the company I worked for, when I was struggling, when I wasn't performing, when I wasn't hitting, heart, hitting target, you got taken and you got to dress them down. They didn't give you the support to say, right, where can we help you? How can we do this? Um, people, people should be, you know, take a softer approach. If somebody's emotional, or, you know, take a softer approach. A, a guy, speak to a guy, you know, there's no harm. You've been human. You're showing your own feelings, you're helping somebody, you're helping a fellow human being. If somebody's feeling emotional and showing their emotions, you know, put your arm out, give mm. them a hug. Let yeah. them know that you care. Don't build a brick wall and, yeah. and you know, be all harsh and aggressive and, 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 and you know, make them feel worse about themselves. Make them feel mm. better. And I find in, in general there is a huge lack of support in most workplaces really for men and women when it comes to getting support with mental health it's like you say it's not taken as seriously as if it were a physical ailment and I feel like these workplaces are shooting themselves in the foot a little bit because if they did provide that support then you'd get less people having to go on the sick and you'd get le- it'd be more financially productive for them if they offered the support in the first place I think I think a lot of businesses need to take a good look at the structure that they have in place for stress and anxiety um, and, and helping people that are struggling mentally in in whatever way. Having that support at work. If you want someone to come to work and they've got a problem at work, if you can help them with that so they're not stressed, they're not anxious, then you're going to get a productive day's work mm-hmm. out of them. The same goes as if that person has problems in their private life and it's shown at work and it's holding them back at work. If you can help them at your place of work to overcome that problem, whatever it may be, that you're going to have a more productive day's work out of them and you're not going to have somebody that's going off on the sick, you know, off for a long period of time because of their mental stress and well-being. Mm. Um, Actually, I met a guy... um, at a networking event I was at, and they were busy um, building uh, an app that was for 
um, people in the workplace um, to say how happy you were. You know, when you go into, um, if you go to a um, McDonald's or um, mm. some of the places that have those little keypads that you press yeah. with a smiley face. Yeah, satisfaction, yeah. Yeah, so this guy's got this app, I can't remember the name of the guy, um, but he was from up there in the borders and he um, he has this, and it's about, it's an app that people can use in their business and if I remember rightly, when you've been at a business meeting or a, a, a um, um, you know, in your workplace, they pass this round and you press a button and it's anonymous but they can tell the feeling in the room of how people are so if people were happy with the meeting or people are happy within themselves etc that's feeding back but it's anonymous so nobody knows who's pressed the button but they know if there's a problem in the room um, and they can obviously address that and this is all set up to help people that are, are stressed and anxious and how to help them you know become um able to sort of start talking about it really mm. um, and that's the important thing that's the important thing telling people getting the help to start off with getting the help yeah and getting getting the conversations going and not having to carry that weight on your own and being able to share it with someone it's almost like you've got a, a rucksack on your back all the mm. time you've got this massive mental problem going on that you just can't deal with and when I first spoke about it, my girlfriend's very structured and she went, right, this is what we're going to do. And she gave me the answers that I've been looking for mm. for months. Yeah. And I thought, why didn't I do this months ago? Mm. Why didn't I talk to you? And, you know, I believe that I had to get to that point to realise um, how the problem was and... Mm. And I had to get to that point to see where the rest of my life, my rest of my future, you know, was or how it was going to develop. And I find that's that's often the case with with mental health that a lot of people have to hit that rock bottom before they're able to to come back and you, you restart. have to you have to you have to um, you know a lot of people deal with stress in different ways. And a lot of people can, you know, people are different with the way that stress affects them. Mm. And my girlfriend gets stressed when she loses something of her, of her own, like you know, she'll she'll lose her glasses or she'll mm. lose a, a a pen or something like that. And and she'll go, I can't find it, can't find it. And and I'll say, your glasses are on the table, just behind it, right? It wouldn't stress me. I was just going to wear my glasses. But, you know, I used to get stressed about other stuff. And and, and you, you don't know what is stressing people. You do not know what, you know, how things affect people. And and a lot of what was affecting me was how I was being spoken to and what was being said to me and how it was being said. And you've got to realise... When you say something, if, it's, if you say something in an aggressive... Uh, manner or something that's hurtful you know you might think you're saying it as a joke to somebody but it might actually be just mm. the last straw that breaks the camel's back that can hurt someone yeah exactly yeah. Um, you know it's, it, it, it's it's very easy to say negative things to people but why not walk up the street with a smile on your face and say something positive to somebody as you walk up say it to a stranger you might make that day you might mm. actually save them from doing something stupid yeah. you say something positive to somebody yeah. you don't know yeah and it is that old saying of just being kind with everyone because you don't know 
what people are going through. You don't know what anyone's situation is on any given day. Because because mental health is is in your head, right? You don't walk around with a bandage on your head. Mm. You don't, you know, you're not on a set of crutches because you broke your foot. You, you haven't got an arm in a sling because you've broken your arm. It's in your head. People can't see, but it probably hurts more than a broken leg. Mm. It lasts longer because it's in your head. And because of that, it's so hard for people to deal with. But if people were just kinder and people were a bit more thoughtful and people respected people that were showing their emotions and, and um, you know, just be more human with people, it would help in a massive way. Yeah, and it takes a lot of courage to, to show that vulnerability, to be able to to show your emotions as well. I found it very hard. I felt that to start talking about it, that I was actually admitting defeat, mm. admitting my f- that I had failed. You know, my thoughts were I had a decent job, you know, and, and I thought I can't tell anybody about the situation I'm in. I can't because I'm a failure yeah. I've failed yeah. and to show that you're a failure uh, is just you know you're, you're, you're admitting defeat and there are some people out there that will act on that and they'll talk about it they'll talk about it behind your back mm. they'll, they'll be negative about the whole thing but the majority of people behind after that when you when you start talking are very helpful and are amazing support mm. Amazing mm. support, um, and just asking somebody, you know, the people that helped me, just the fact that they came up and said, "So how are you mm. today? You know, how mm. are you? Really, how are you?" Mm. And when you start getting that help, that's when you start to realise that people care. Yeah. Mm. Well, thanks for coming in today for a chat. Not a problem. It's been Not it's a been really all. great conversation. And where's the best pe- uh, place for people to find out more about you if they'd be interested in your firewalks? If uh, if anybody wants to um, to come along to any of our firewalks, we've got um, we've got a website which is www.logi that's l o g i dash firewalking.co.uk. And also, we're on Facebook. If you put in Logie Firewalking on Facebook, um, our page will come up straight away. If people like that page and they want a message uh, to see if we can um, help with anything that, that, you know, if they want to come to a firewalk, if they want any information where the nearest firewalk is, or if people want to um, organise something um, to raise funds, raise money for different organisations, I'm I'm willing to help anyone if who you know if, if they if they're prepared to to ask a question. Great, thanks, John. No problem. You've been listening to Jerry and John at Anxious Minds Radio, making it okay not to be okay. <laughs>